exciting news. Yes. It is launch week around these parts. So our Wayman Unlimited onboarding coaching program is now open for enrollment. If you are a digital creator who's looking to add more predictability, more profit, and more peace into your business, our Wayman Unlimited program is here to help you. Through our monthly onboarding coaching sessions, we'll remove the overwhelm of growing your business and give you specific marketing tactics to focus on each month so you can grow, but at a sustainable pace. Because we're all steady, about... Steady. Slow growth around here. We take a slow and steady approach to running a calm business so you can reach your business goals without sacrificing your well-being. By the way, also included in Wayman Unlimited is a lifetime account to our core software, Tea Tree, which is the most customizable and brandable course platform on the market. You also get access to a member favorite group accountability system we call Wayme of Stones. That's Please right. don't sue us, Game of Thrones. <laughs> where we blend fun and action taking together in our weekly Wayme Slack community through doing some accountability and sharing our goals, getting our tasks done every single week. That's right. If you are interested in joining Wayman Unlimited, head to wanderingaimfully.com slash join to learn more and get all the details. And just as a reminder, the doors will be open until March 26th. Welcome to What Is It All For? A podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. (laughs) And now the episode 142. Just a little rusty. Rusty and dusty to kick things off. That's kind of how you would describe this place that we're in. It's like a little rusty and dusty, but we're not going to talk about that until next week. I don't think rusty. I think it's like engineered rust, you know? Ooh, okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, hello and welcome to our podcast. Welcome back. Hello. Hi. How are this things? This is our podcast. This Okay, nice. Yeah, wow. Capital P hyphen. Yeah. Capital C. Um, we are going to chat with you in the Pramvel section here yes. about... I think one of the best weeks we've had this year. It was an incredible week, and I would wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah, we did a lot in one week. We did a lot, and um, tell them where we were, babe. So before we get into, obviously, the business part of the podcast, we're going to talk to you about our full-time travel life, which is, it, there's not a, a lot left to it, really. Uh, granted, there are a couple months left in the year, but as you'll start to hear as we go on, there's some pretty exciting things happening. We're going to be stationary for a while. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Anyway, let's get to this awesome week. We were in... The grand and wonderful country of Italy. Italy. And we last visited Italy in 2017. Correct. We went with two other friends and we went to Rome. We went to Florence. We went to Milan. We went to Sicily. And we went to one of our favorite places we've ever been to in the world, which is a tiny little island off of Sicily called... Ortigia. Ortigia Island. If you ever... If you want to explore Sicily... Definitely make it to Ortigia. I believe. What's the city closest to Ortigia? Syracuse. 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 Maybe. Um, but anyway, that's not where we went. Just telling you where we went before. This time this we went time. to the region that is the back heel. It's the heel. It's the not the heel. back heel. It's the heel of, of the Italy. Boot. When you look at the shape of the country, and the region's called Puglia. Mm-hmm. And we went to specifically. We started in Bari, and then we went to. Manduria, I believe, and then Matola. Everything had an uh at the end, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's Italy. Uh, but I will say, let's start with our time in Bari because it was very surprising. Yes, and I think, again, we this is a, a good pattern for our travels. Whenever you go into a leg of the trip with zero expectations, 
And it's, it's easy like, to exceed them. It's ex- easy to exceed them. I think because this really this week was the beginning of a little bit of a rapid travel few weeks because as you'll get to hear, it was like, we were going to Italy for a friend's wedding. Then we're in a country right now with family. Then there's going to be more family coming. And so in my mind, there was sort of all of these, you know, travel logistics in my head. And I didn't really have time to just sit and think we're going to Italy. So I went into it very much just focused on like, we're going to get this week done and we're going to move exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I, which is not the right mindset to have, but you know, you kind of have to when you're traveling this way. And so from the second that we touched down, I was like, oh my gosh, we're in Italy. Yeah. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't look up anything about Puglia. I didn't look up anything about Bari, which yep. is the city that we flew into. And we stayed in Bari proper, which is like the actual city. Downtown. Yep. Um, the downtown. We stayed there for two, three two nights? nights. Two nights. Two nights. Yeah. And so we had, you know, just enough good meals to have. And just the town of Bari just totally surprised me. Yeah. I, I Town? I, city? I, yeah, city. I think we went into it with kind of the idea of, oh, we're going to move out to the countryside where we're going to go to this wedding and we'll get to that in a moment. Right. But Bari's just going to be like a quick stop. We're not even going to pay attention exactly. to it. Exactly. It just felt like a stopover. And so we booked this hotel and usually we do a lot of research for things. We click through a lot of photos. We're checking a lot of stuff out. We didn't really do that. We just found a hotel that was a boutique hotel. It looked good. The price was definitely fair. Seemed totally easy to get to from the airport. Yeah. And so we were just like, we're going to book it. And we knew it was a boutique hotel, but we didn't know how much of a boutique hotel it was. I think there were only 10 rooms in the hotel. We booked what was the quote unquote suite, which actually ended up being what you would think of as the penthouse suite of a hotel. It's like the top room. But the whole thing is very small. So it's not like we had this like grand 2,000 square foot penthouse overlooking the entire city. It's still a relatively small room. Exactly. It just happened to be the only suite in the ten of the ten rooms, which is funny. But my favorite part, yes, we arrive, and there's no one there to check you in. There's just a woman who's working at the bar, which isn't even open, and I think she's just waiting for the right. Two so people. the bottom floor of the boutique hotel is basically yeah. just like a little cafe and bar. Yeah, which was really just used for breakfast. Exactly, and so we we walk up. We walk up. Uh, she doesn't speak any English, which is totally fine. Again, we're in her country. Um, we say we're checking in. She shows us two envelopes, and we point to the one that's ours. The one that has our name on it. Yep. Does not check our ID. Nope. Doesn't ask for a credit card. Nope. And then says something in Italian, and then Prosecco is in that. Yes. And so we, and she's putting glasses on the counter, so we're inferring that, oh, she's offering us Prosecco. Obviously, we will have some welcome Prosecco. And we just proceed to stand there. We just stand there. For 15 to 20 minutes. Enjoying our Prosecco. Enjoying Prosecco. Not really talking to her like much. ever so slightly in, yeah. in Italian and trying to kind of like, um, you know, discern what she's saying. Yep. And it was just delightful. It just felt so, it was so quintessential Italian. Yeah. And very um, quaint and just not like the experience that you're used to when you check into a hotel and it's sort of like the same you know, going through the motions, it just felt like, oh, welcome. You're yeah. staying with us. Yeah. Yeah. You, like you've already taken care of all the logistics. Let's just enjoy that you're here. It was so delightful. And it really did force our, you know, our American ways of like, okay, now we need to get up to our room. And we just sat there. Yeah. Well, it was stood there. It, yeah. It was very different than any check-in experience we've ever had. Uh, and then when we were done, she basically led us over to the next door, which is where the elevator was. And we actually found like that's where there's like a little reception area, but I think it's only open for like two hours a day. And she kind of like pushed us into the elevator because it was very small and only the two of us were going to fit with all of our bags. 
and handed us the key and just was like, like Arrivederci. <laughs> and we we're like, okay, Arrivederci. Uh, and so Arrivederci. We, Arrivederci. And so we went up to our room and uh, just were completely surprised by how lovely it was. And we'll link uh, to the hotel's website. It's called the Dillman Luxury Hotel in Bari. So you Very can check cute. it out for yourself. Uh, but there was an exercise bike in the room. Okay, that there was my w- favorite thing. The, with the suite, you yeah. get just an exercise bike in the room, yeah. which really was honestly a great feature. Sure. Because I, didn't ha- I just got a nice bike in. Yep, and then it had two separate seating areas, an indoor dining or an indoor living room, and then an outside living room area, uh, which was great. It was just, it was very nice. We had this nice little balcony. We took in the sunset. Yeah, and my favorite thing about staying in Bari for that weekend was you had access to, like, more restaurants. Yeah. So we got Were to those restaurants or restaurants? Restaurants. Okay. Rusty and They sounded like restaurants. They could have been restaurants. Okay, cool. But We've definitely walked by a couple restaurants in different yes. towns. Yeah. I just love being able to go out that first night and we just got to walk to this little restaurant and we didn't make reservations. And so they were basically booked up, but, but we had gotten there early enough that yeah. they were like, we'll make space for you. But, um, we have a table coming at nine 30, which is like a normal dinner time in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like there at seven 30. Um, and it was so lovely. Yeah. And my favorite thing just about Bari is that it's right on the water. And yeah. so you can kind of stroll down this little, half promenade down by the water, which is so pretty. I, I want to mention before we leave Bari, one of the things that we've definitely learned this year, which you just never see in, especially in the U.S. in restaurants, is as a, a restaurant diner, you book a table. So let's say you book a table for 8 p.m. No one else is going to sit at that table the entire night. That's your table for the night. And the restaurant is not expecting to have any turnover of your table. Exactly. It's so interesting. It's so different. And it's just, I think, again, it's the difference between a capitalist and a non-capitalist country where they're not trying to just turn tables and get as many people in and out of the restaurant as possible. I don't know enough about, I don't know if you consider it non-capitalist, but I know well, what you're I mean, saying. Yeah, not as hyper-capitalist, let's say that. I don't know what you're saying. I'm not trying to make any political statement. I'm just saying it's such an interesting, different restaurant experience mm-hmm. when you know that like, oh, this table, with exception of people like us who come up and like, oh, can you squeeze us in for two hours? It's your table for the whole night. Mm-hmm. So if those people who booked our table for 9.30 didn't come, no one was really going to sit there until 9.30, which is just wild. It's very wild. It's such a different experience. It was so lovely. And then we, the only other uh, restaurant experience that I'll talk about is one night we, because, you know, we'd had a couple of meals with pasta, which is obvious. A very my obvious, yes. Food group. Um, but one night you were like, I think I could be in the mood for sushi. And so we went to this sushi restaurant, which just, this restaurant was just out of left field. It was unlike anything I've ever had before. Yeah. They had all kinds of different culinary adventurous treats. Yeah. They really just kind of went for, we're like, we're going to experiment with a lot of different stuff and a lot of different bites and a lot of different things. Yes. And so you just got, there was this extensive menu, this very quirky indoor interior decor, and you could choose from all kinds of little bites, but they were they were just that. They were just these yeah. sort of bites, including some sushi rolls and things like that. And so we just got to like play all over the menu and they just came out. Like one of the things was this this carbonara bite that was in like a fried ball that yeah. came in a mold of the Coliseum. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was it was basically like Tapas meets sushi with some rolls as well. Right. It was so... But it was very interesting. We just ordered a a bunch of weird stuff. I I don't... Would you remember what the name of it was? If not, I'll put it in the description. No, it was very hard to... It was very hard to remember. I'll I'll put it in the description just so you can see the photos alone of this place. It was so unique. So from there, we packed up from the hotel. We actually went back to the airport. To grab the car. We grabbed our rental car. And then we made our way to the uh, little resort hotel that was the... 
basically the overflow of wedding party folks right. because they had their own hotel where the wedding venue was going to be. But this is the separate one where like, you know, uh, people like us are like, we're not, you know, we're not friends. friends. Not we're not like, family. We're friends. Not like the wedding party. Exactly. So we're, we're driving to this place. It's uh, about two hours. We did make a little stop. We did. At a little beach uh, club. I will never that forget. That I just found on Google Maps. I will never forget that day. It was just off the side of the road, this beach club, and we show up and they're just playing like quintessential summer Italian music. Yeah. Like, dun, 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 yeah. and I, and like, you just see the, the, the most gorgeous turquoise water yeah. and everyone's so friendly and they sat us on the same side of this booth. So we're just like looking out over the water. Also there was a, very- a couple next to us that I kid you not <laughs> cheers. 20 times? 20 times. 20 times. During the meal. Every yeah. time they cheers, it was like a cue to me to just like, enjoy, it was like a meditation chi- chime. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, cheers. Like, yeah. enjoy this moment. I loved it so much. I need to cheers more in my life. That was a really like spontaneous, just looked on Google Maps for a place that was halfway between the hotel that we were going to from Bari where we picked up the car. And I was like, oh, this just looks good. Mm-hmm. I don't even care if the food is that good. Mm. This is just going to be a great experience. Like, we could order whatever and it would be fine. Like just a bowl of pasta and it would be great. But it just was a very magical little moment, like a perfect Puglia moment, I believe in Italy. So yeah, then we finished that drive getting to the resort Mm -hmm. and we had this, this situation of driving up to the resort where it's dirt roads. There's a little bit of just like trash piles randomly. You can't see the resort at all. Where are we going? And we didn't look up a ton about what the resort looked like because we just like, we knew we had to go here. We weren't Mm going to go anywhere else. And then we finally find the gate and you have to press a button and you're like, hey, I'm here to check in. And then this gate opens and you're in this just like oasis. And you see this castle yeah. in the middle of this sort of field with this like wall around it. And the gate opens and you can't see the castle until the gate opens. Exactly. And I was like, what? Where are did, we? What, what, what happened? Like yeah. where, how did we get here? Um, and so it's, this, yeah, like you said, this little oasis and it, it's such a quirky, interesting little hotel. I loved it. I honestly, looking back, it's going to be one of my favorite hotels I've ever been Absolutely. to. Absolutely. The only thing that could have made it better, I think, is a little bit bigger room with just like maybe a couch like or something space, to sit yeah. on. Yeah. I don't love to just sit on a hotel bed for two days. Me, I just you live love it. You in live a in a bed. bed. You could live in a bed. I just think comfort but the, is the really... pool area was really great. We, we got to spend tons of time there. We had the largest focaccia sandwich anyone has ever oh had in gosh. their life. Just this giant chunk of focaccia with burrata and some prosciutto on top, which you then cut in half and made into a sandwich. It was great. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to mention about the hotel before we get to the wedding was the restaurant that was there, mm-hmm. there's one restaurant on site for the hotel. You had breakfast, which is just like a little buffet. Well, there's technically two. There's one that's like the pool restaurant where you oh, can order Oh, right, right, lunch. right. Yeah, I don't really count that one. Um, <laughs> well, that's where you had the barata. I know, but it's not like a rest. It's not a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, it's we're not about a restaurant. Restaurants. It's more of like a pool club. Anyway, the restaurant ends up being a Michelin star restaurant, which we had no idea. No idea. Which, if you've been following along, one of my goals this year was to eat at a Michelin star restaurant in every country that we visit. I know that is a very just like... Uh, like Arbitrary, fancy thing to do, fancy, but it's just like a bucket fancy. list life thing for me. And it's been wonderful and I've loved it so much. Food is our love language. That's true. And so we go to this restaurant and come to find out it also has something I've never heard of before, which is a green Michelin star, mm-hmm. which basically means that the majority of their food comes from less than a kilometer away. Basically zero kilometers is really what it's supposed to be. It means that it's grown on site. It's, mm-hmm. it's done on site. 
And that was just really interesting. I, I'd never heard of that before. Incredible. So it was fun to be able to experience that. The food, we actually went with the vegetarian tasting yeah, menu. Yeah, for that exact reason. Because we were like, let's go for it. Remember that zucchini? Oh my gosh, the baked zucchini. I don't know the how long it took swirl? them. Zucchini swirl? I don't even know what it, that's called. We had the most canapes we've ever had. At oh a yeah, re- they like, really, you know we love canapes. Yeah. We didn't know this before this trip this year, but... We love yeah. a canopy. Uh, also, we, there was like a bread course that came out with like four different types of bread. And we looked over. We were the only people that finished our bread. And we're like, well, one of them was an interesting, as you know, in Italy, breadsticks. It's yeah. like a thing. It's But it's like, if you watch Great British Baking, it's like the long, it's thin. not the American breadsticks. Yeah. It's like the long, skinny, crunchy kind. Yeah. But they brought it out in this like cast, like mold, this bust kind of. Yeah. Where it was like this, this queen and, and the two breadsticks are like her antenna, antenna basically yeah. popping out of her head. It was a very interesting presentation, but it was a really obviously not like an easy thing to eat. <laughs> not very elegant. And so I looked down and there's like all these like very proper women who are like clearly not going to broach the, yeah. the queen antenna breadsticks. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish in hindsight, we would have just walked by all their tables and gone, Boop, boop, boop. Hey, we'll you going to eat this. that antenna? Boop, we'll take this. These we, are delicious. We don't care what we look like when we eat something. No, we really don't. Uh, so anyway, that resort was fantastic. The restaurant was absolutely amazing. It really grew on us. The The decor was really cool, and I'll, I'll link to this as well so you can kind of check it out. Very interesting. But let's talk about the wedding itself. Ugh. Because this is, for me, this is the best wedding I've ever been to. It's got to be top three. Two? Top two. It's got to be top two. I honest, it's been a while, so we'll just go with my favorite because I honestly can't think of a lot of it, other ones. Right it now. was so this was at a place that was about 15 minutes away. We took a shuttle, which ended up just being like a full-on tour bus that only six of us needed, which was hilarious. <laughs> but it was really fun because we got to talk to other, you know, we didn't know a single except for the bride and groom. We yeah. did not know a single person at this wedding. Yeah. And this was a wedding that was supposed to happen in 2020 that right. got derailed for obvious reasons. And then it got rescheduled again, then rescheduled again. I think this was like the fourth time it got rescheduled. Yes. Uh, But anyway, this was our friends Matt and Nat. So they actually live in Australia. Her family's from Australia. Matt's family is from the East Coast in the U.S. So Italy kind of became this place where they could both meet in Mm -hmm. the middle because it was going to be a destination wedding for somebody Mm -hmm. in their family. Uh, So they ended up picking this place. And it was just, I remember walking in, it's this big open courtyard, it's all gravel, and I'm like, oh, you know, like, is this going to feel magical and wonderful? And then you just have all these little moments. So many touches. There's these two long tables where everybody sat for the dinner, mm-hmm. which had tambourines with everybody's name hand-lettered like on them. were like dangling in the breeze. Just jangling in the Italian so breeze. So cute. Uh, there was a little old truck that was used for like carrying produce and things that was set up that was like this little blue with wood. Uh, we took a photo in front of it, and it was amazing. Yes, they had this little kind of like pergola area where they had the ceremony set up. Yeah. Which was just perfect. It's a little hot for us, but it's okay. We, it's okay. We, we run hot. Yeah. And thankfully, the sun went down pretty quickly. I mean, I'll spare you the highlights of the ceremony really were that Nat decided to do her vows in a rap yeah. format, yeah. which. Wow. Just for those it. two, it really fits. Yeah. It's just one of them went over the top. Exactly. And like, yeah, there were just so many beautiful How about moments. The brass band the that brass came in. The brass band that played after the ceremony in between, like kind of the cocktail hour. Yeah. There's just just this amazing brass band playing and and everyone had their tambourines and that was sort of their welcome into this into the reception. Yeah. And they drove like a little a little, a little old fiat, fiat into yeah. the reception. Matt didn't know how to drive standard to stick and, and they just like made it through. The sun is setting. Yeah. As we sit down to dinner 
and this cotton candy sky emerges. Beautiful. And it's all just lit and there's wine. And if you're just, on our uh, Wandering Infleet email list, you will see these photos in uh, one of our Monday emails. Uh, if you're not, then you're missing out because we're not posting anything on social. So it's the only place you can see stuff from us. But yeah, it was just yeah, so magical. And this is wonderful. one of those perfect scenarios. You all know on this podcast, we talk a lot about, you know, doing things differently and just questioning societal norms and, you know, a wedding wasn't right for us as a couple. Yeah. But this is one of those experiences where you go to someone else's wedding and this is exactly what they wanted and what was right for them. Yeah. And you just have to appreciate the beauty and the thought that went into it for them. But I think that's a beautiful thing about, you know, living life on your own terms is you can, and also just like respecting other people's choices is you can love something for someone else. Yeah. And not want it for yourself. Yeah, you know? it was a great reminder of when we eloped in 2017, and it was just the two of us, well, with our videographer photographers, so the five of us, right. uh, on a cliff, just us together, sharing some tequila and donuts to like end it off with our vows. It was fantastic. I could see how this is a wonderful version of that that's bigger. But looking back, I'm like, I am so glad we did it our way. Like yes, exactly. all the logistics they had to go through. And that's the thing about life is like you just you get your own choices and that's why you don't judge somebody else's choices against your own values. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the wedding was fantastic. We made it home safe and sound on the bus. We had a, a kind of a, a short day to recover afterwards, which in hindsight, not sure we picked the best schedule, but then we moved over to an Airbnb mm-hmm. that was in the middle of basically in the middle of Puglia, just like just smack right dab in the, in the middle. middle of nowhere. And this place, we're not actually going to link to it. We're going to save you like a long bit of, commentary about it but i just wanted to share we made the right decision previous us to book a place that had a pool yes that had enough space to just relax we had questionable wi-fi again bad wi-fi we had to use an ethernet cable if that gives you so i packed an ethernet cable on this trip at the very beginning because i knew at some point it might come in use and and it did here it is month nine of our travels had to bust out it's actually the second time i've had to use it but yeah, even a Wi-Fi tech came mm-hmm. and it was working, but it wasn't mm-hmm. working with our devices. Anyway, it was a big mess. But I will say the highlight of that was just the pool yeah. and getting in this pool. And it, it ended up being this like almost like MTV Cribs backyard situation, yeah. which for those of you who watch MTV Cribs growing up, like you can just picture like an extravagant backyard with like lawn sculptures and a huge pool and an outdoor kitchen and like all this other stuff. And you're just like, where am I? Like, what is happening? And it was just, it was a very cool week. The whole week was just very fun and mm-hmm. enjoyable. Yeah. And my favorite part was that Matt and Nat were able yeah. to come and meet up with us at the house, which is just incredible because they had so many friends and family that they were trying to see. And I don't even know how they had the stamina to do all of this, yeah. but we hadn't, we have, you know, we've done calls with them, but we hadn't seen them in person for a few years. And the fact that they took their time out of their wedding week and literally on the way to their airport came by and our MTV cribs and got yeah. to be in the pool and stuff. Like that was the highlight of the whole thing. It was worth going to Italy just to spend the day with them. In general, it was just like a magical week in Puglia, Italy. I will say, despite Italy being like one of my favorite countries, the driving in it's Italy. Interesting. I, I couldn't live it's there just for the driving, <laughs> y'all. It is we 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 dubbed the um this new term called the Italian slide. Yeah. Which is we don't use blinkers. And what we do is it's not just that we're changing lanes without blinkers, it's that we're riding the entire middle line on a two-lane road. Yeah. And on top of that, if you're on a one lane both ways road and the semi truck is in front of you, people are passing and they're passing with just like 
inches in between the oncoming traffic. They're not even passing within inches. They're passing at the same time. It's really like, too like, stressful. Like the, the car on your side moves over to the right and the car on the oncoming side moves over to the left and the car passes in the middle between the two lanes. It's ridiculous. It was so stressful. Yeah. But if, if given the option, choose the toll roads. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think we'll just wrap up the Pramville there and just say I this was definitely to me, one of our highlight weeks of the year. It really was. I mean, it just was amazing. Okay, let's get into the topic to discuss here, which is talking about some ideas and if they're all already done. Yeah, so this is, I think, a feeling... I know it's a feeling I've had before when it comes to online business. I think especially if you're someone who spends a lot of time following other businesses or um, you know, on social media a lot, you can start to have this feeling like, what what is even the point of me doing this everyone's already said what needs what has been said everyone's already had every idea that there is to have everyone's already started every kind of business and you sort of go like where's my place in all of this mm-hmm. and you could sometimes use that to discourage yourself to not even want to move forward because you feel like there's nothing left that's original yeah and my thought on this as we started to talk about this episode is that it just start starts with a little bit of acceptance that yes, basically all ideas have already been done. Right. So if you can accept that and then understand, okay, but what do I, what do I do now that I know that all ideas have already been done? It's that you start to realize, well, what really makes things stand out is your unique twist or your unique story or your unique way of doing something. And it's not about having to come up with some like crazy new idea that's never been done. Cause we'll talk more about that and why that can really also be very difficult. It's about realizing, Oh, okay. All ideas have been done, but I want to focus on this and whatever this is, I'm going to add my own twist to it. Yeah. I mean, I know the advice can be a little bit cliche, but I think it bears repeating. If you're someone who is kind of locked in this, this thought right now of what is it all for if it's all been done Yeah, is that no, it hasn't been done by you. Yeah. Right. And again, I know it's cliche, but you are the uniqueness your unique lens, your experiences, your personality, the way that you would do it a little bit differently. Like you are the unique element in doing an idea that has already been done, which is reason enough to put it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this uh, metaphor that Justin Jackson talks about when it comes to like finding your product market fit, which is if you're a surfer, you go where the waves are. Like you don't go to a lagoon where there is no wind and there are there's no waves because you're not going to be able to surf. Or like make up your own yeah, body of water. <laughs> body you of dig water a hole and pour existed. some water into it. You're not going to be able to surf there. And the idea is that you pick a market where people are already surfing because that's where people are already spending money. So to kind of use this metaphor in what we're talking about here, it's let's just say, for example, you want to be a Squarespace web, website designer. Well, guess what? There are a lot of waves out there for that. There are a lot of clients looking to pay people to upgrade their Squarespace websites. It's like you can either see all of the Squarespace designers out there as, you know, people who are doing it. So why even do it? Or you can see each of them as a wave, the waves that are already existing. And so when you get out there and surf, there's going to be plenty of waves. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the way to change the frame up. Right. Yeah. And, And I just think the, the whole part of this that's so important is, you start to do this acceptance and then you start to do this reframe of, oh, but wait, people are paying for Squarespace website design. So that's awesome. I should go and do that as opposed to this other business idea that I was doing, which was like, you know, designing Microsoft Zune interfaces. Like no (laughs) one's asking for that anymore or ever was, unfortunately, for Microsoft. But the point is that 
you go where these markets are already existing. You go where people are already spending money and you find your own unique twist to put on things. Right. It's seeing the competition and actually using that as a signal that there are people in that market, like willing to pay for services or pay for products. And as someone who, listen, I can relate to this because I'm one of those people who loves an original idea. Yeah. I love a thing that's never been done before. I love a thing that's like hard to explain because it's just so new and innovative. Yeah. And, but the truth is I've done that in my career and it actually has led me to some not so great outcomes. Like, um, those of you who have been around since the made vibrant days will remember a project I did called color your soul. And I had this idea of, and really it stemmed out of this idea of membership, like a membership model, but I wanted to do it differently than it had ever been done. And I, I, I didn't want to do because everyone was doing memberships. And so I thought, Oh, everyone's done it this way. So I thought I'll create this subscription. That's like a magazine, but it's also journal prompts. Anyway, it was a bunch of things and it had never been done before, but there was a reason it had <laughs> never been done before. And it's because people were not people were confused about what it was. Yeah. Like it didn't work. And so I think just for anyone out there who's like me, who really loves this idea of doing something new and innovative and different, that's great. Like definitely don't want to stifle that creativity, but also recognize that there's a reason sometimes why something hasn't been done yeah. in that way. And actually you can kind of stick closer to some of the ideas that have been done and use that as a as a guiding light in order to do something that that has a market for it. Yeah. And one of the notes that you wrote down here is that you go so far to originality that you lose a bit of functionality. Right. And I think that's such an important thing to remember when it comes to online business. Now, if you are creating a hobby or a side project that doesn't need to make money and it's just a creative expression oh, thing, then, then by all means... Be as original. Make those Microsoft Zoom interfaces. Do something weird. Just go wild. But if you're trying to build a business and you're trying to be profitable and you're trying to create some calm in your life through generating revenue, it's important to understand, I need to do what people get. I need mm -hmm. to do what people are already paying for. I need to do the things that someone is going to say, I am going to give you money for this because it is a thing that I need, not something that you just came up that I feel like I should pay for for some reason. Right. And you need to package it in a way that someone can understand, even if it means that you lose a little bit of that, oh, this isn't quite that original. Like, believe me, it was hard at first for Jason and I to kind of accept that we were going to be business coaches, right? Absolutely. Because if you're talking about has every, has anything or has <laughs> everything already been done, there's every type of coach under the sun now, right? And there's a little part of like the more the, the part of me that leans so much towards originality and loves doing things differently. When I realize that we're business coaches, of course that, that part of me is like, Oh, well, but if I had let that stop me, if I had let that stop us from, we would have never created Wayne yeah. and done it our way and done it in an unboring way and asked ourselves, okay, let's take something that there, that has been done by so many people, which is coaching. And let's ask ourselves, how can we do it differently? What would we change about it, about how, the way that we see other people doing it? Yeah. And that allowed us to carve out a market that has turned out to be really profitable. Yeah. And like, you could come back to that surfing metaphor where it's like, there's a lot of business coaches out there surfing the waves, but we brought our own boards. We brought our own style of, you know, you sit on my shoulders when we surf and it's very awkward, but we somehow make it happen. And people are like, oh, I'll, I'll buy from the people who are doing the like, you know, totem pole setup of surfing, which just looks really awkward, but it's interesting and I get it. Um, but anyway, I, I think one of the things we also wanted to talk about was basically like counting yourself out before you even start. Exactly. Like, 
the, this is what I remind myself of when I get stuck in this thought pattern of, well, like there's so much content out there and I'm sure someone's had this thought before or talked about this before. And I just take a step back and I realize, am I really okay with, with creating this limit for myself that somebody else hasn't even told me that this thought is unoriginal or someone else hasn't even told me that this isn't worth saying, but yet I have told that to myself. And we do that so much in business. And I know a lot of you listening can relate to this of, of creating those limitations for yourself before someone even comes along to do it for you. And it takes practice to have that self-awareness to go, Oh, I'm doing it again. Like I'm counting myself out before I even try something. It's like, try, try something and let somebody come along and say, Oh, you like, there are too many people talking about this. You shouldn't talk about this because by the way, no one's going to say that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you look at like any product that we've made over the past, let's say five years, all of them have already been done in a lot of different ways. But the reason that people buy from us is because we have a specific way that we do things. We have a specific way that we teach things. We have a specific way that we create an experience for someone. And that is the stuff that stands out. And people want to buy from people that they like. They want to buy from people that they resonate with. They want to buy from people that they feel like they can see themselves in. And I think that if anybody listening to this is on the cusp of starting something or maybe pivoting something, you're just like, ah, I don't know. It feels like everyone's already doing that. Let let that happen. Exactly. Let let all the people not buy from you and say the reason I didn't buy from you is because everybody's already doing this and this looked exactly like everything I've already done. And it's not going to happen. Just FYI. Exactly. But I but I understand what you're saying, which is like before you make up these assumptions in your head, test it and let the market tell you that. Yeah. Right. I actually I was watching a video of YouTube video the the other day about Etsy, and it was this um, guy who started an Etsy shop of stickers. And he was talking about how a lot of people have been leaving Etsy or not, not even starting because they just go, oh, well, the time, the, the boat is already, I already yeah. missed the boat. Like the time for Etsy was before and it's not now and it's so saturated and all this stuff. And he brought up an example of this shop who started their shop in 2020 and they just did, I think like custom portraits or something like that. They've sold like, I think 38,000 products or something. He did the math and it was basically like they had made $790,000 in two years since it's 2020. Wild. To me, especially because of the COVID time warp, it feels like 2020 was yesterday. Yeah. And if you told me that someone can just start a shop, like there's this, this idea that you have to have started so long ago. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you've completely missed the boat, right? And so it can be very easy to get in that that headspace of going, no, well, everyone on Etsy has already done custom portraits. There's no reason for me to come along and do the same. And that is proof that you're counting yourself out. Because imagine if that person had never started their shop in 2020 because they thought they were too late or there was too many custom portraits. But they clearly had something unique to bring to the table. And they just thought, why not me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that is just important to remember what potential are you counting yourself out of by making the assumption that it's too crowded? I think one of the things we didn't even write down uh, in our notes that just came to me was people, I, th- I think a lot of times will not pursue an idea because they'll be like, oh, well, I don't want to waste a lot of time doing something that no one's going to pay for. And if I spend a year working on this and, and I don't make a good living from it, then I've wasted a year of my life. But I think the other way of looking at that is like, but how much time have you spent not trying anything and basically saying to yourself, well, it's already been done. So I'm not going to try that thing. And how many years of that have happened? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's where so much of online business is about taking a risk and is about taking a chance. 
But again, you're not digging your own hole in your backyard to try and surf some waves in. You're going to an idea where there are a bunch of people already willing to pay for something, and you're just trying to figure out that, okay, I'm gonna design Squarespace websites, but I've got a little bit of a twist that I'm gonna put on this. And what is that twist? Exactly. What is that thing that you do that you bring to it? And you're probably not gonna know that out of the gate. So you just have to keep trying things. And that goes back to our experimentation episode that we just did mm -hmm. as well, which is you just have to keep experimenting. You've gotta keep doing things. And you look at this time that you're investing as, oh, well, at least I'm doing something. At least I'm trying. At least I'm putting my ideas out there and I'm not just waiting a whole other year or two or three wishing I had started something and counting myself out before I'd even had a chance. Exactly, which is really just kind of wraps up nicely because that's my big takeaway from this episode is I just, I don't want people to let this idea, this this dogma of originality prevent them from getting started and just trying things and developing into an online business that can radically change their life circumstances just because they decided other people have already done it. And it's like, yeah, other people have done it. Yeah. Are you going to choose to look at that as a reason not to move forward? Or are you going to look at that as evidence of the fact that if they can do it, you can do it too. And so it's evidence to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish, you know, there, there was like a, a magic wand that we could just like spin around and boot people on the nose with and Boop. be like, now you have the, the courage to go out and do a thing that a lot of people have already done go for it. Yeah. And, and everyone could see, Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to go try that. I'm not going to let the idea that I have to be so original with an, with some type of new thing I want to create be the only way that I can create an online business. Yeah, And that doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard. That doesn't mean that it's going to all magically work out. See, you know, 140 other episodes of this podcast yeah. for, for all of those challenges that are inevitably going to come, but you're not going to know what, can unfold for you unless you try. Yeah. And I just don't want anyone to count themselves out before they try. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we hope this episode gave you a little bit of inspiration. Maybe you've been sitting on an idea uh, that's, you know, maybe a little bit boring, maybe a little bit same, same Embrace as a bunch boring. of other people. Go but do for it differently. It. <laughs> but put your own twist on it. Create a whole bunch of experiments that you can try to make it your own and figure out a different way to do something. And give yourself the chance. I think that's the big thing that we have given ourselves so many chances over the years because we've been willing to do something that lots of other people have done. Again, see our business coaching program that have worked out really well because we've been willing to say, great, we're going to do this, but we're going to make it our own. But we're going to also do something that people understand so that we don't set ourselves up for a whole bunch of extra work trying to convince people of an idea like your color your soul example exactly. that they just don't really get and it's too difficult to Which by understand. the way, I think just to add one more kind of point on it here, being able to go where the waves are, going back to this whole metaphor, metaphor, metaphor. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Oh, wow. Okay, that's different. <laughs> metaphor is going where the waves are can sometimes allow you the freedom to experiment more and do those ideas that people don't get, right? Because now you have kind of a profit center that people can understand and there is a market for so that you can then use that to branch out and do things that are a little bit more risky, a little yeah. bit more um, people don't understand. And this, I know we've done an episode about this in the past, but we talk a lot about longevity products and legacy projects. Yeah. And longevity is like, you go where the people are so that you can create a, a predictable profit center for your business, which can create stability and stability allows you to do these more, what we call legacy projects or these things that are closer to your heart, but maybe there's not a market for them. Microsoft Zune templates. They're your Microsoft Zune templates. Yeah, yeah. 
Boy, so, Microsoft Zune really getting a lot of love in this episode. <laughs> also, neither neither of us ever is had it one. Zune, a pl- it's like an iPod. Yes. Okay. Cool. It cool, was. Cool. It was. But I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know. Uh, anyway, hope that uh, hope that was helpful for you listening to this. I hope Just you got a little, a little encouragement boost, a little bit of uh, oh, okay, all right. I'm gonna pursue that idea that I've been thinking about that maybe doesn't seem that quote unquote original, but it's an idea that people are already paying for, and you can make it your own, and you can have fun with it. Love it. All right, that's it, everybody. We will be back next week with another episode in another country. Another country, another day, another country. And we'll share it all with you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.